Hey guys, I just wanted to do something, uh, I guess um, an episode that's a little bit more like freeform. I feel like they're getting very, um, well, too formal. I'm like writing out lots of notes and stuff and I kind of like it a little bit more like me just like coming up and like sharing some thoughts and stories and like talking about an idea maybe like one one good idea a week and kind of have like a little bit more of a free feel or like free flow to the show as opposed to me just like reading through my notes and it being like whatever. So one thing I wanted to like talk about um, is part-time jobs. And like I had a, like a lot of part-time jobs um, when I was a kid growing up, I played sports, but I also like always had like a summer job or like a job, part-time job if I like wasn't in season for like a sport or whatever. So my parents always told me like, you either have to be playing a sport or like working at a job. So my very first job I ever had, I think I was like 14 and I worked, um, I think I've told this before, but I worked at, uh, my mom was like a real estate manager and the property manager like needed someone to just like clean up the parking lot and like clean up the garbage that people like threw in the, like the green space. So like that was my very first job and it was picking up trash basically. And it was like maybe like one hour a week, you know, just kind of like break me in or whatever. And then after that, I worked for a construction company, um, like picking up job sites, um, power washing stuff, and like kind of like as a gopher, just doing whatever like the superintendent basically like told me to do, I would do. And that was kind of good because it gave me like a lot of exposure to like a lot of other like trades so I could like see, you know, all the steps of like construction. I could see like how a, a new house, like what steps it went through, like you know, I got to know like the plumbers and um, the concrete guys and the masonry guys and the stuff like that. So that was like kind of cool. But the story I wanted to like, I want to share with you guys like two like pretty funny stories that happened to me. Um, the first, and they were in college, obviously, like a lot of funny stories are surrounding college, I feel like. But so I think I was like a sophomore. And me and one of my friends thought it would be like such a cool idea to be short order cooks because we had just watched the movie while we were hungover. Of course, we just watched the movie stuck on you or stuck on me, which I think is like Craig Kilborn and um, Matt Damon are like twins that are conjoined at the hip. So then like they were like really good, like short order cooks because there was like two people in one. So me and my friend were like, oh, that's like looks so cool. Like we should go be short order cooks. So we interviewed together like like dunces over the job. And we were like, yeah, like we just saw this movie. Like we want to like be short order cooks. It was at Ruby Tuesdays in Lincoln, Nebraska. Um, and the, 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 well, the whole thing was dumb. So we're like, yeah, it's going to be so cool. We're going to like work together and we're going to like buy like an extra huge pair of pants. And then each one of us will be in like <laughs> one leg. So we'll be like basically like stuck together. It'll be like so cool. So that was idiotic, obviously. The other idiotic thing is the Ruby Tuesdays we got a job at was it could not have been farther away from the University of Nebraska. 
like without leaving town. So the University of Nebraska is basically on the way like northwest corner of town. And this Ruby Tuesdays was in the southwest or southeast corner of town. Literally like a 40 minute drive. Idiotic. So I lasted three weeks. My friend lasted like three years because I was like, I'm not doing this, dude. Forget it. So I eventually like realized I like needed money to survive in college. I needed a part-time job. So really close to campus, there was a U-Haul that was hiring. So I was like, oh, that like sounds pretty easy, like renting out trucks, blah, blah, blah. So I got a job there and the people I worked with were like a motley crew of just complete losers. So there was a guy that ran the place, literally like 400 pounds, morbidly obese. Um, He was apparently like on a bunch of like sedatives because prior to being a huge fat pig, when he wasn't on sedatives, he had like a like a anger management problem and he would like get in like physical altercations with like customers. That was a story. And, um, but he was like a total pushover and he was pathetic and horribly fat. Um, like a pretty nice guy, but just like kind of a loser, like, um, and he would only, only work every day till like one o'clock and then he would just like take off. Um, so like not a very like good boss, didn't like teach you anything. Um, so whatever. And then there was, uh, a lady there named Ann and she was like elderly and the thing about this U-Haul was it was it was in I, it was like bordering what they considered a quote unquote bad part of town in Lincoln. And Lincoln, Nebraska isn't like a violent town, but they have lots of like social issues there. So there's like a lots of drug use. There's just lots of like dirty like people, like just a lot of disgusting dirty people. And we were like bordering like the dirtiest part of town. So on a daily basis, you were dealing with people who literally smelled like they were like rotting from the inside out and dying because they were, they were on, you know, like chain smokers, alcoholics, people on meth and people with like no teeth or like very few teeth. And it's like really interesting because like a lot of these dirty people, like, I guess once you get to like a certain level, you start like your body starts just like, I don't know, decomposing or something. And especially like, there was like this one like smell of people that I guess it was like, if you were like a chain smoker and like an alcoholic, your body starts breaking down and like everyone who like had that problem all smelled the exact same. It was very disgusting. I had never been exposed to anything like that in my whole life. So I'm dealing with these disgusting, filthy people. And like you would, they would want to rent a truck and you'd be like, okay, well, like you either have to have a debit or credit card or a hundred dollars cash. And like, it would cause people to get like super enraged. So like you would have to like, um, people would like threaten you with like physically, physical violence. Um, I mean, it was like wild. I don't understand. Like, it's just insane the way people acted. And it was like, you can go somewhere else. Like, why are you acting like this? Like, what the hell is your problem? So I'd never seen like people act like that. It was totally bizarre. And then so many people act like that to you that you get like really, everyone there was like really mean to customers because you were just like, I know this person's going to start like going off. So eventually like you would just tell people to like leave or like just get the hell out of here. It was crazy. So, um... 
so yeah, I worked for this guy, um, morbidly obese, totally pathetic. And the other thing is like his wife like worked at a gym down the street and she was like very attractive and like very fit. And, um, it was like really odd because she was like the polar opposite of him. And so I, I guess it doesn't really matter, but <laughs> going off on a little bit of a tangent there. Oh yeah. One time he was like, he had this kid who was like a little mini me of him who was also like morbidly obese, like really fat. And I always like feel like bad for kids who are fat because it's like not really their fault. It's their parents' fault. But his dad was a huge fat pig. So like, what is he supposed to do? And I guess his like kid got into like a fight at school and, and during this time, I was like at peak, like pompous assness because I was hungover or drunk all the time. So I like didn't want to be there. I just mouthed off to everyone. And the boss like walked in and he's like, uh, he's like, some kid just beat up my kid and called him a big piece of poo. And I was like, well, like, is he? So like, he was pissed about that. And then another time he was like, he came in and he's like, smells like oranges in here. And I was like, what? And he's like, it smells like oranges. And I was like, what the fuck is an orange? And he's like, you know, like the fruit and orange. And I'm like, it's orange, you moron. But I never got fired because his brother um, or like half brother or whatever was his boss. And he like really liked me and he thought everything I did and said was like really funny. So I just got away with anything. So anyway, I worked with this other woman there. Her name was Anne, and I thought that she was like 70 or 75, like retired, like semi-retired, just working there just for something to do. Well, she was a chain smoker and a degenerate, and her husband was a chain smoker. And apparently they, they had owned a like gas station or a couple gas stations in town in Lincoln somewhere, either Lincoln or Waverly, which is like outside of there. And I guess like the, the gas stations had like gone under and her husband was a chain smoker. So she always smelled like cigarettes. It was very gross. I thought she was like 70 or 75, but it turns out she was like 55. I couldn't believe it. I was like, they had to pick me up off the floor after I heard Anne was 55. So I worked with her and I didn't really get along with her because she was an old bitch. <laughs> and, uh, so I just stayed out of her hair. I just stayed away from her. I didn't want to deal with her because um, she was kind of like a mother figure to my boss, which was weird too. So if anything, if anyone like mouthed off to her or was mean to her like a customer, he would like grab them by like their collar of their shirt and like their like belt and like run them out the front door like a Western. It was crazy. I had never seen any, any, anything like that at like a regular business like that. So I was working with these losers and then... Um, this like kid shows up and like wants a job and like confronts our like boss. And he's like, I'm your son. Like you had a one night stand with this woman like 20 whatever years ago. And like, I've, we've never met blah, blah, blah. But it turns out like the boss like kind of knew about him. So then he like felt bad and like gave him a job, which is like just weird. <laughs> the whole job was weird. So I'm like stuck in the middle of this, you know, working with this like, the son, the like boss's bastard son. So that was weird. But then like, he was even more ridiculous than the rest of us because he was like, I can't get fired because, um, I'm like the boss's bastard kid. So one time we were, we were at like the front desk, me and him, his name was 
uh, Andrew Pritchard, I think. And I think I can say that because I'm pretty sure he's, like, incarcerated for killing somebody. I think he, like, hit and run somebody, like, drinking and driving and killed him. I'm pretty sure he's in prison. And he went by the moniker P. Rich. And um, I felt bad for the kid because he was a, uh, he was pretty stupid. But anyway, but I kind of got a kick out of him because he was so stupid. And he just, like, mouthed off to everyone. And I thought it was funny. But he didn't ever mouth off to me because I would have smashed him. <laughs> but we were standing at the front desk and Anne like thought she had the flu or something. And she's like, oh, I'm dizzy. Oh, and she spoke with an accent, even though she was from Omaha or from Lincoln, Nebraska. I'd never heard of a Lincoln, Nebraska accent. Really weird. Lincoln is a really bizarre town. So she was like, oh, I'm dizzy and my back hurts and my bowels hurt. And the kid was like, and you have balls? And it was just like the funniest thing I've ever heard because it was like so disrespectful. But she deserved it. It's like, what are you doing? Get out of here. If your, ball, if your balls hurt, you need to leave. Don't just stay around at work. Don't spread anything into my, you know, I don't want to catch anything that will make my balls hurt. So get the hell out of here. So that was pretty fun. That was a like pretty fun job. It wasn't fun, but I mean, whatever. You could go there and be like, I always wore glasses when I was there because I was hungover. And then if anyone, like any customer, like asked me about it, I'd be like, well, I just got LASIK surgery, so I have to like wear my glasses. So then that usually shut people up. So that was a pretty good job. Oh, and then uh, (laughs) we worked with this redneck there. He worked in the like, he worked like five to seven on like Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And his name was... uh, what the hell is his name? Richard something. Plantanga or Richard Tango or something. They had a really high-pitched voice, but he was, like, cool because every time he came to work, he would bring, like, a 12-pack of beer. So then we would, like, be drinking at, at work, and then we would just put our beers, like, underneath the, like, uh, counter when a customer came in. He was really fun. Huge redneck. Um, but he had, like, really good stories because he'd been working there for, like, 25 years part-time. He worked at the... I think he worked at the railroad full-time and then just did like worked at U-Haul part-time. And he, and just like everyone else there, he had like tons of illegitimate kids and he'd been married. I think I literally think he'd been married this, when I worked with him, he got married for the fifth time. And he was telling us that one time um, a customer like pulled up, like an elderly customer like pulled up and he like to check the truck in. And this guy, or no, his name was Scott. Sorry. So like, Somebody pulled up and Scott was going to check the truck in. You go out with like a clipboard in those days. You go out with a clipboard and like, you know, like write down how many miles there were or whatever. So he like opens the door and there's like this old guy in there. And Scott's like, if you just want to like step out, I'll like just take down some information. And you can just take this tag in and look at you checked out. And the guy was like, uh, uh, hold on, hold on. And it turns out the guy was crapping in his pants. So then he like got up and there was like shit smeared all over like the seat. So Scott was like, well, I'm not, like, going to do anything. I'm not, like, touching that. So he opened up both the doors of the U-Haul and then took, like, a hose and, like, sprayed the interior out with a high-powered hose. So there was just a million stories of that place because it was so bizarre. And people that show up there are, like, already, like, they're usually getting evicted in that part of town. So they're already, like, on edge. I remember I had to, a guy, like, brought a truck back and he didn't have a car. And for some reason, my boss was like, oh, yeah, like, uh, Zach, he'll, like, give you a, like, ride home. So I gave this guy, like, a ride home, and he lived in a bus, like a school bus. 
really weird. So that was just a unbelievably bizarre job, but I feel like it was good for me because I got to see like where I didn't want to be in life. And I think I've talked about this before. It's like, I don't want to be living in nasty Lincoln, Nebraska in the bad part of town where nobody has a hundred dollars to like rent a U-Haul. I don't want to work for U-Haul. I don't want to be stuck in like a dead end job like that because nobody made any money there. And they always were like bitching about their lives and how miserable they were. So it was like a great opportunity to learn from other people's mistakes. I worked with a guy named Frankie there. And Frankie had like 11 girlfriends and he probably had 30 like illegitimate children and he was like paying child support. So like one time I like saw one of his pay stubs and he worked there full time. I saw one of his pay stubs and like his pay was like $13 because there were so many deductions for like child whatever, child care payments or whatever. So it was like, Everyone there was like a poster child for how to like not live your life. I mean, there was a couple, there was like a handful of people that worked there part-time or whatever that were like totally fine. There was a one lady that worked there full-time that was pretty normal. Um, She just needed a job, you know, and Lincoln, Nebraska isn't exactly somewhere where there's like tons of jobs to be, to be had. So I I got it, but I mean, it was really like an eye opener for how people live and like how people behaved. It's like, why? why I mean, it's just ridiculous. I mean, I never, it, to this day, I've never, never been in so many bizarre situations as I was there. And it seemed like in that part of town, just bizarre things happened like all the time. So one time I was like washing a truck out. Um, and I guess like a lot of weird things and like bizarre things happen to you when you're like hungover. So like I was always hungover there basically or drinking when I was there. So when you're hungover, like you do lots of stupid things too because you're like motor skills are bad and you're like not really like making good decisions or whatever. You're like really foggy. But other, but other times like I wasn't hungover and just weird things would happen there. So it was like on the corner, it's not like on the corner of like a pretty busy intersection. There was car accidents there all the time. And then, like, another time I was there, like, putting, like, a a sign, like, changing a sign or something in the front of a truck. And, like, this two couple were, like, riding by on their bikes. And the girl's, like, front tire, like, went off the sidewalk. And then it got, it, like, dropped down. And then she tried to, like, correct and, like, steer back up on the sidewalk. But her tire was, like, down, like, kind of in a ditch. And she, like, did a front flip over her handlebars. And then she was like laying on the pavement crying. And I was just like, I, I didn't help. (laughs) I didn't help because I was like so stunned at what was going on. I was like, Oh my God, that girl just like front flipped onto the ground. She wasn't wearing a helmet. She didn't like, there was no blood. She didn't like crack her head open or anything, but she was just like writhing on the ground. And then her boyfriend like stopped and then he like kind of like put the kickstand down on his bike. And then he's like, babe, are you okay? And like, as he was trying to like help her, his bike um, toppled over and the handlebar like hit her right in the face. And again, I did not render any aid because I was literally, I was just sitting there like just in awe of like how, how like weird is that? Like shit like that. One time a lady stood in line, I was like at the desk and there was always huge lines there and everyone was pissed. And, um, 
so this lady stood in line. She probably stood in line for like 25 or 30 minutes. And she got up to me and she was like, well, how much is like your average like custom kitchen? And I was like, what are you talking about? I was like, this is a moving store. I was like, we rent trucks out so people can move. And she's like, oh, well, I thought, doesn't your sign outside say custom um, kitchens? And I was like, no, it says custom hitches. Like we install hitches. You can buy a hitch for your car and we can put it on so you can tow things like a car hitch, not a kitchen. And she's like, oh, I'm sorry. And then she just walked out. Really weird. So there was that. There was another time where I closed the store like um, literally 90 seconds before like 8 o'clock. Yeah, the store was open on Friday till 8 o'clock. And I'm 21, so it's like I'm cracking a beer at like 6.30. I don't care. I'm going to start like getting back to normal before 8 o'clock. That's for damn sure. So one time I shut the store down at like, there's been there been no one for like an hour. So I shut the store down like two minutes early. And when you were there, once you like turned your computer off, you were like disconnected from like the central hub of where U-Hauls are like made or like where all the scheduling is done. So like you can't just turn it back on after you shut it down for the day. It's like a major ordeal to get back online. So I shut the store down literally like 90 seconds early. And like right as I like shut it off, some people like came up to the front door and they like claimed to have a reservation. I don't know. I didn't go out there because it was like literally like an angry mob. So then I was like, oh shit. So then I had to like hide behind the desk because they were like pounding on the glass, like the door hard. And then um, I was like with another guy and he was like in the garage and they like opened the like key slot on the garage and they're like, I see you motherfucker. Like get out here. It was really weird. So I had to stay there for like an hour and a half while the mob dispersed or whatever. Really bizarre. So then they came back the next day and they were like really pissed and they're like, well, we had a, like a reservation. It turned out their reservation was for like five o'clock and they didn't show up till eight. So that's not really my fault. Anyway, I'm sorry. I know that's like a lot of tangents, but I feel like those stories are like really funny and they're like something I want to remember. So that's why I'm recording them. And that probably makes whoever's listening to this, like think back on like some ridiculous jobs that you've had. I know there's probably somebody listening to this that worked with me at you all and knows how ridiculous it was there. But so that's why, like, I have I made that other episode about like how to do college. That's so you don't have to have a horrible college job like I did. So go back and listen to that one. If you're going into college or if you're in the college in college, go back and listen to that so you can learn what not to do. So anyway, all of that kind of brings me to the point. Another point I want to make is, you know, I talk a lot of, all of my ideas are like self-employment ideas or starting a business, whatever. But in order to know what kind of business you would want to start or what kind of business you want, want to buy, you need experience in the workplace. And if you've never had a job, you're not just going to be like, well, I'll start, usually not, unless you have a mentor like a dad who knows how to like run a business or somebody in your family knows how to run a business that can like help you and, and like show you how to do things. Um, you're going to like probably be starting with a part-time job. Um, and so I think it's important to have part-time jobs. And the other thing is like, okay, what if you have a full-time job, but you're like, I want to like start a side hustle or like, I want to start like a business that I can like build up and then have that replace my full-time job. 
Well, maybe if you're like working at a full-time job and you don't have that much disposable income to start a venture, like starting your own business or whatever, it might be a good idea to look into a part-time job to like help you save up some additional money to do that. So I'm a big proponent of like a lot of people want to get into real estate. Maybe you want to get into some kind of like sales thing that's going to take some time to build up. It's always like a good idea to like just go out and get a part-time job. So like a lot of people like struggle in real estate in the first like couple of years. No one says you can't have a, a full-time job or a part-time job. And if you really think about it, um, you can go get a part-time job, maybe somewhere you can like access your phone or access the internet where you'd be able to like work your real estate or your other thing while you're like at your part-time job. Um, so I think those are ideas. Uh, I think that when you look at a part-time job, make sure it's like serving your like purpose. Um, and there's like obviously a lot of part-time jobs out there now. So anyway, that's just kind of my opening spiel. I thought those were like some pretty funny, like kind of fun going down memory lane of like my time at U-Haul and my time at Pepsi and my time at Ruby Tuesdays for two weeks. Um, and then my other buddy worked there for three years. God bless him. Um, so anyway, that's kind of my opening rant, but the idea that I have, and it's not like a, a unique idea. It, it, I didn't come up with it. I mean, it's unique. I didn't come up with it, but what it is, is it's a dog It's starting a business and it's like a, it would be like a solopreneur thing. And what it is, is it's a, uh, being a dog behavioralist. And I had never, ever heard of a dog behavioralist until, um, I was remodeling the house that we live in. You know, like I talk about, we always buy like houses that need work. Then we remodel them, um, fix them up really nice, sell them, buy something else that's garbage. So we were doing that. We, we remodeled both of our bathrooms and um, we had just got done remodeling one of the bathrooms and we were getting down to like the finishing stuff and we needed um, some like drywall work done and I didn't want to do it. I can do drywall finishing, but I'm not like the best drywall finisher on earth. And I didn't, I needed some like stuff that I wasn't like, didn't feel like super confident that I'd be able to do. Um, so we needed someone to come do that. And then we also needed um, a custom countertop like a granite countertop um, cut to go on like the custom like vanity that we had. So the drywaller came and our dog was like losing it on him, like just going totally nuts. And he's not like, he's like smaller than me. So I don't know why the dog was like so freaked out or intimidated. I guess he was just a different, just like a different like person he wasn't used to or whatever. But he was like really going nuts, like, jumping up on like the couch and like, like lunging at him, which is really unusual for a dog. He's like pretty friendly. So that was weird. But then like, but the drywaller wasn't like afraid of dogs or anything. So he was like, okay, like take it easy guy. And our dog is like really small. He's like 12 or 15 pounds and he's really short. His chest literally almost touches the ground. He's not a, he's not a dachshund. He's not like a carpet shark. He's like a, some kind of French dog with like fluffy hair, cotton de tulia, I believe is what they're called. So not like an aggressive breed of dog and not, not an intimidating dog. Like you should not be scared of him because you could like kick him and he would go flying across the carpet. 
So the drywaller was cool, cool with him. He's like, I have like two like big dogs. Like dogs don't bother me. But the guy who does like custom countertops um, is like from China. So he already doesn't like speak like great English. And he's like scared of dogs. So when he showed up, we like held the dog. So it wouldn't like get near him or anything. Um, but then like the dog was like really calm and like the guy was cool. Like he didn't seem like he was scared of our dog. So I set the dog down and the dog, um, I was playing with the dog. And then this guy like walked by, but then he like stopped all of us. He stopped and was like, can I use your bathroom? And we're like, sure. So he stopped and then he like changed directions really fast and it freaked the dog out. So the dog like grabbed the back of his pants, didn't like bite him. Didn't bite him like hard, but like nipped at the back of his like leg and like grabbed his pants. So the guy like totally freaked out. Um, and I was like, let me see it. Like, I want to make sure like, I wanted to make sure the dog didn't like actually really bite him. Cause I didn't think that the dog really did bite him. So I wanted to see his leg. So the guy couldn't be like, oh, I was bleeding, you know, like, so there couldn't be any kind of like lawsuit or whatever. So I saw the guy's leg. There was no marks, blah, blah, blah. So that was fine. But then like, we were like freaked out because we're like, our dog just like bit someone like, and he'd never done that. He'd never acted like that. It was really bizarre. So we're like, like, what, what should we do? Um, and he was, he's already like obedient. Like he listens to commands or whatever. It's just like a one-off thing. But we're like, you know, um, and my wife was pregnant at the time. So we're like, well, maybe he like has some like issues or whatever. So I was like, I don't know. Just like put him outside, you know, I don't, I don't, what do you, what do you want to do? Get rid of him, I guess. Like if he bites somebody else, we have to get rid of him. Cause I'm not going to have him bite my kid. So she like did some searching and she found this thing and it's a, it's a dog behavioralist and a dog behavioralist. What they do is they come to your house and they like, talk to your dog and like feel its chi feel get like a feel for what your dog's like and then they like teach you these like things you can do to like help your dog chill so it's kind of like an obedience thing but it's like one it's like a one off like they only come once i think and like they spend like f a 3 or 4 hours with you um so they just like work with you i think like I think they come in like this, the guy that we looked up, he would like come for like an initial, like getting to know your dog for like, I think it was like th two or three hours. And then like, depending on how that went, then he would like come back or something, putting on some kind of routine. So I was like, okay, like that sounds like a dog. That sounds kind of weird. I never heard of that before. So my wife looked into it and the guy in Omaha, Omaha, Nebraska, for the first, for, for him to come to your house for like, I believe it was two and a half to three hours, it was like $450. And in order to get a time slot, you'd have to put down a non-refundable like deposit of 150 bucks. And when we called, it was like the beginning of January and we couldn't get on his schedule for, I think like almost June. So it was like booked out like four months. $400 for a two and a half hour thing. Here I go around my calculator again. And I put it in the screen again. Really sad. I should just open it every time. So um, let's say it's three hours. So what did I say? I think it was $450 uh, divided by three. That's 150 bucks an hour. So if he's doing that 40 hours a week, 
That's $6,000 times four. Um, so that's like 25 grand a, a uh, yeah, that's 25 grand a month to just come and like, it, we watched some, like he has some videos online and it was like really simple. It was like, um, nothing earth shattering. I mean, it was just basically like obedience and then like putting your dog through some things that were like, maybe like a little stressful. So like our dog, um, if you like got up off the, if you were petting him and then you're like, all right. And you like get up off the couch. Like sometimes he would like grab your like shirt. So like in the video there, they were like, okay, like just do this. And then like, if you like give him a treat. So it was like very basic things. So it's not like the guy. So like, if you want to start become a dog behavioralist, it's not like you have to like learn all these like techniques. No one's ever heard of. You don't have to like do anything groundbreaking. You don't have to have any kind of special like certification. I don't think, um, to call yourself that. So you're basically just like, a, um, so you're basically just, um, like teaching, your teaching dogs, like good manners for like huge amounts of money, in my opinion. So I didn't hire him cause I was like, no, let's just like wait it out. I think like, um, it's not like the, the, it's not like our dog viciously attacks someone. So I was like, let's just like wait it out, whatever. So we just waited it out and like our dog is fine now. He's not like aggressive or anything. But I just thought that was like really insane because this guy like had basically like a, a business set up where it was just like him. He would come and then like give you information about like what you're supposed to be doing. So all he was giving you is basically like a recommendations of what you should do. And then if they didn't work, he would come back for another 450 bucks. So I thought that was like really genius. Um, it's not like obedience training. It's something like different and like something special. And he comes and like gets a feel for your dog, you know? So it, it's really like tapered for people who are like, well, I'll, I'll do like anything for my animal. And, you know, especially with like biting, um, if your dog like viciously attacks someone, like the city's going to make you put it down. So, you know, if your dog is like vicious or like has a temper or blah, 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 like this is like a great, I mean, for us, we were like, well, if we have to do it, like we'll shell out the $450. Cause we don't want to like get rid of our dog and we don't want to like have him put down. So like, if this is an ongoing problem, we'll like definitely spend the money. And I think, I feel like a lot of people will do that because people just love their pets. They love their pets like more than they even love themselves. I've talked about this before where like there's been several studies that like a person will is more likely to fully and thoroughly administer medication to their animal over thoroughly um, and correctly administering uh, medication for like themselves. So people literally treat their animals better than they treat themselves, which is kind of insane because, you know, whatever. So I think that the um, dog behavioralist is like a really, really good gig. If you're somebody who's like into that, if you like working with animals, if you like working with pets, I think that like literally the sky is the limit, especially if you're in a town like Omaha where there's only like one other person doing it. So like we had no other options really than this one guy. So he could basically charge whatever he wanted to. And 150, 200 bucks an hour is obviously not outside of like the norm. So that's my idea for today. Pretty like straightforward. You could probably like do some research about it on Google dog behavioralist. 
and I, and I think it's really good. Um, it, I think this guy just basically like, um, he didn't answer like when you called, like he had an answering service. So I think he like had a secretary or like an answering service, just like f- doing his, um, filling out his, uh, schedule. So really pretty like low barrier to entry, but like, obviously you have to have like some skills there, but like not a lot of like upfront costs to like get it up and off the ground. Uh, because you go to your client's houses, you don't have like a brick and mortar. You don't have, um, like your own space that you're maintaining to like have these dogs come and train these dogs. So I think it's like a, I think that's a really good idea. I think it'd be like really easy for the right person. I think it'd be really good. I could never do it because I have no patience for things like that. Wouldn't work for me. So you have to know obviously your strengths and weaknesses for that one. Um, the business for sale for today, I'm not like doing one. I didn't look into it. Um, I feel like, you know, I've gone over like a lot of those and I want to like kind of keep things. I want to keep you guys guessing a little bit. I don't want it to be the same thing every day. Um, but I think like moving forward, I do think that we're going to like go back into some sort of lockdown. Um, I feel like now that people are like back out again, obviously like the numbers are going back up again. So there's going to be like another round of lockdowns probably depending on what state you're in. Um, and that is going to drive down the price or perceived value of like a small business. So if you're thinking about purchasing a small business, I would like put it off until like farther into this year, maybe the beginning of next year. Once we kind of see what happens with COVID-19, see what happens with like the presidential election, kind of see like um, kind of where things like shake out. But I definitely wouldn't want to buy like a business now. I mean, you could definitely still keep researching. There's lots of, like I've said, uh, business buy sell. Um, I think it's called business, biz buy sell like online. Definitely, like, if you're thinking about buying a business, now's a good time to start, like, the research because the the whole process for, like, discover, putting in an offer, doing your all your research, that, like, goes on, like, a long time. So if you find a business you like and um, you start, like, negotiating now, if we go into another COVID, like, lockdown and the economy affects that business, that business is obviously going to be worthless. So you might be able to get like a little bit like of money off of the asking price. And like we've seen with the first lockdown of COVID for the most part, as long as it's not like a restaurant, as long as it's not a business that the government's literally going to put a padlock on the front door, which I don't ever don't buy a business like that, obviously. But if it's not a business like that, then it's going to like snap back like pretty quickly. Like we've already have seen a lot of things snap back like pretty quickly after people get let out of being locked down. So when it comes to buying a business, I would take that into consideration. Other like ideas, starting like a new venture, starting something like on the side, I would caution you to just like really think about that. Think about like what another lockdown or something like that would do. Um, if you're starting like a new venture Make sure that you could work it from home if you're locked at home. Make sure maybe it's something online. Make sure it's something you don't have to um, rely like a lot on like the supply chain so um, of physical goods. So those are things to like look at 
Um, obviously for this episode, I didn't do like a lot of research. I want to kind of be like more like shoot from the hip and just talk about like different thoughts that I'm having. I'm really doing a lot with stuff online. Um, I think that another tangent I'd like to just go off on is after I like make these episodes, I listen to them the next day just to make sure that I'm not sound like saying something insane or something really saying something really, really stupid. So I was listening to like the last week's episode and I like took my own advice because my own advice was like so good because I talked about, hey, think about like the kind of life you want and then plan the life you want, plan what your actual day looks like, plan what your actual like business looks like, plan what you want your life to be like, and then build a business that will tailor to the life that you want. So I was listening to that and like I was... I usually like listen to these like when I'm walking my dog. So I was listening to that. I was like really reflecting and I was like, you know, I'm giving all this like amazing advice. I'm obviously have a genius with sage advice who's like really thought things out. But I was like, I'm giving this good advice and I'm like not taking it because I'm starting to build like this remodeling business. I just had a son. I want to be around my son. Part of the reason I'm doing this podcast is to keep like a record of my thoughts and like some of my stories and stuff that I can like pass on to him. Um, because like the older generations like never really talk about themselves. So I know a lot about my grandparents and like my parents, but I don't know. It's not like intimate knowledge. So I want my son to be able to listen to this. And I also like want to build like my life around being like there for my son, being like in his life, having the freedom, like, you know, if he needs help or like one of my other kids needs help or like they have some, like a special event at school or whatever, I want to be able to be there. I don't want to like build a business where I am like in, um, where I'm like stuck and where I'm like have to be somewhere at a certain time. And I realize like I, I'm building like a remodeling business. That's exactly what a remodeling business is. A remodeling business has set hours that you're only going to be able to like work at someone's house, like in a set hours, you have to do it. There's strict deadlines. Um, you have to like deal a lot with like subcontractors, like schedule all those people. If they don't show up, you have to like show up and do the work. And like, I was just like, you know, I'm going to be tied up like literally all the time. I'm the bit, the more money I make, the more tied up I'm going to be with work. And the more I'm going to like miss out on like all these things with my son. And I was like, that's like really stupid. I don't want to do that. So like, what am I doing? So I took a step back and just said, like, this not like a, that's not a good idea. The other thing is, if we go into another lockdown, am I going to be able to, like, get out of my house to, like, do those things? I mean, probably, because a, a construction business is always going to be, um, you know, that's, like, infrastructure. So I could probably get out. But it's, like, I've been around construction and remodeling and all that stuff for, like, so long that I know that that... I know what that path looks like going down. So I decided to like go back and like look at some of my other ideas and really like think about some of the like online ideas because one thing that you can do online is you can automate things online. You can't automate things with a remodeling business. So I really thought about that. I really looked at some things online that have like big margins, things that I'm familiar with that have big margins and that's real estate. 
So now I'm, I've started this real estate, like a, a relocation business where um, I help people like relocate from one state to another. And that's something that I can do. I can like automate the marketing for it. I can automate the, um, um, I can automate the marketing. I can automate a lot of like customer inquiries, like uh, setting customers up on a search, like connecting customers with like different agents in different places. So I can like automate a lot of the process to where I'm not necessarily like gonna have to be there all the time. Once I get it like up and going, it's basically gonna like take care of it take care of a lot of the things um, for me automatically without me having to do it. And so I guess the other thing that I want to talk about is like, make sure if you're like getting into something that you're going to like leverage is going to work to your advantage. So if you're able to use automation and platforms and systems that are like already in place, you're leveraging technology. But like the, um, with the remodeling business, like I'm only leveraging what I can do. My own knowledge is all I'm leveraging. So I don't have as much leverage there as I do with something that can be like set on autopilot. So that's something else that I've been like thinking a lot about and I've been taking action on that. Um, I started that little online business like a week ago and I already have some like customers in the pipeline. I started building like an email marketing list. I already got like I think like about 47 or 48 people um, signed up for like the newsletter, signed up for like the automate, the um, automatic email marketing. So it's going like really, really well. And I haven't like really put any money into it. I think uh, I tallied it up today. I put $68 into it. So I already have one person that like wants to sign up and my commission, if they made a purchase, like bare minimum would be eight fifty. dollars So um, these kind of things, you know, if you're, if you're doing something like part-time or online with like a long, if you're doing something like part-time or trying to start a business, like give it at least 90 days to see if you make any money. So, and if you have people signing up, if you have people like raising their hand saying, yes, you know, I have people that are like seeing my ads and like coming and like just liking my page and following my page on Facebook. So that's like a pretty positive reinforcement. So if that many people are liking it out of the blue, then I'm obviously going to like get some sales out of it. So that's another um, conversation about traction, but so those are just some of the things I'm thinking about, some of the things I wanted to share. Um, and next time I'll maybe, I feel like I haven't really stuck on any path with this, so I'm going to probably go back to notes, so I'm not just a rambling maniac, but I appreciate you guys. Uh, like the show, share the show. I'm on Facebook. Um, I'm on Instagram, not really do much. Facebook mostly, and then hit me up on email if you guys have any questions. I appreciate you. Catch you next time.